Philippians 3, verse 12. I had some feedback there, so I apologize for that. <clears throat> Philippians 3, verse 12. And we've got to take a deep breath because we're going all the way through 14. <clears throat> so starting with verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your immense grace to us to, uh, to give us something like this in your word. And I pray that you would help your word, that you would, uh, that you would make your word stick in our hearts so that uh, in times of struggle, in times of imperfection, we see and we remember your word to us. And, and in those moments, we're okay. We know that you've got it. So I pray that you would do that and that you would be with us. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I was sitting in a church in Los Angeles. This is in 2010. Uh, and I've, I'm sitting next to these two homeless men uh, that they were, uh, we had just uh, talked to them on Skid Row in Los Angeles, which is one of the most dangerous streets um, in Los Angeles. And so um, I'm sitting next to these two guys and um, we had just talked to them on Skid Row. And I was like, hey, you guys should come to church with us. Um, and it was great. And I ended up here. I ended up in this seat. Um, not this seat. I ended up in the seat in Los Angeles because um, out of a time where I was the, at the lowest point in my life, like just the worst things happening, going on, the worst part of my life, um, I get a call from my cousin Crystal who she knew everything that was going on. And she said, hey, Jake, I know you're having a hard time. I know you're having a rough time. Um, how would you like to go on a mission trip with me to Los Angeles? And I was like, <laughs> okay, uh, I, I don't think I want to go to a mission trip. That's not really my thing, you know. Um, she was like, no, it'll be great. We're, like, we're going to tell people about Jesus. And I was like, how am I supposed to tell people about Jesus? I don't know Jesus. Um, and so uh, I was like, no, I, I'm okay, Chris. I, I, don't, I don't really want to go. And she said, okay, well, I already signed you up, so we're going. Um, and I was like, well, okay, okay, fine. I, I guess I'll go. And then she said, but it's going to be about $800 to go. And I was like, okay, definitely not going. Thank you for the invite, but I just can't do that. Um, and she said, but grandma already paid for it. So I ended up going to Los Angeles um, and I'm on this flight and, uh, you know, just hanging out with these guys. And we're at this church now. I'm sitting next to these homeless guys that we had just talked to on Skid Row. And the, the pastor, he's up there and he's just preaching and he's He's actually, like, he's preaching, and I'm, I'm, I'm listening, I feel like, for the first time, like, he's preaching Jesus. And I was like, man, I, I want that Jesus. And I, I knew that something in my life had to change. I just didn't know what it was. Um, so he, he, he gets going, and, and he just stops in the middle of what he was saying, and he said, you know, I think there's somebody in here who needs to know Jesus who has a, like maybe right now they're in a tough spot. Maybe right now they're in a rough spot in their lives and they, uh, they don't know how. They don't know what to do next. They, they know that something needs to change. They just don't know what to do. My first thought was, oh my gosh, that's me. My second thought was, which one of you guys told them? You know, like, <laughs> they all knew the story. Um, 
But so my, just tears start to well up in my eyes. And, and for the first time, like I wasn't ashamed of these tears. Um, and then so the guy says, if this is you, I want you to come and have a conversation with me. And at that point, I was like, all right, I'm coming. And I just took off running up to the front. Um, but if I had listened to what he um, finished saying, he said, I want you to find me after service and come talk to me. So I come running up and I'm sure he was, I mean, have you, have you guys ever heard of the altar call? I did the, the very first altar ambush. I was just like, I'm coming. Um, so uh, he, he was very gracious. He, uh, he said, I didn't mean right now. That's okay. That's okay. Come on up. Um, and so he just took like two minutes to have a conversation with me. Um, and, and he, you know, just kind of laid it on my heart. Like, hey, look, this is Jesus. He wants to save you. What, what, what is your choice? And I was like, well, all right. I think I know what I want to do now. So this is it. I'm saved. This is my new life now. A few weeks later, we're back from Los Angeles, and I sin. Now what? This perfect, beautiful thing that I had with Jesus, now what? It's, it's, it's stained. It's, it's broken. How am I going to face my Christian friends? How am I going to, um, all of my non-saved friends, like they're just going to make fun of me like, yeah, I told you, bro, you're, you weren't going to last. What am I supposed to do now? The truth is, it's impossible for any of us to be perfect and to not sin, but it still messes us up when we aren't. There's a pressure on us, especially those who bear the name of Christ, to, to, to be put together, to have a, a, a put together in a perfect life. Um, the perfect kids, the perfect marriage, you know, the kids are just well-behaved, dressed nice and everything. But, I mean, you guys know it's, that's not the way it works. And it's extremely frustrating and embarrassing and a whole other mix of emotions when it's not perfect. We all have a deep longing for the perfect life and we want to show it off to people. Um, that's why we have filters on Instagram. Um, we only want people to see what we're okay with them seeing. Um, you know, and that's usually the beautiful pictures with the perfect lighting. Um, but how often do those pictures actually happen? Not very often. That's why photography is a profession. Um, <laughs> we know and we are very aware of the fact that we are imperfect and in our, our lives, how, just how imperfect they are. We get corrected at work. Our wife tells us we need to calm down. Our husband tells us we need to stop spending so much money on clothes. Our kids just knocked over a whole aisle at Kroger. <laughs> but what are we supposed to do when it all comes crashing down? When this veneer that we have put up, when it falls, what do we do then? We cannot attain perfection, so now what? We're currently in the bumper sticker faith series, um, and we've talked about uh, why Christianity is not all about perfect doctrine, um, but about love and truth, and how it's not about perfect attendance, but joyful worship, and how it's not about a perfect faith, but an imperfect faith. Christianity is not all about having a perfect life, but about pressing on to make Jesus our own. Because it's not a matter of if things will go imperfectly, but when. And when things go imperfectly, we need a better strategy in life than turning to anger or food or shopping or fill in the blank. 
but a new, better, um, a new and better strategy is exactly what God gives us in Philippians. We'll see that there's a way to live that is not about perfection, but about pressing on to make Jesus our own, and there are three ways that we do that. We press on in humility, we press on by forgetting, and we press on by straining. So we press on in humility, which means that we see ourselves for exactly what we are left to ourselves, and press on by forgetting what lies behind, and we press on by straining forward to what lies ahead in our future, the day when we will be fully perfect, because it won't be today. So let's take a look at the first one, press on in humility. Uh, Look at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. So we're just going to stop there. The it, when he says, I do not consider that I have made it my own, it's something that a lot of scholars disagree on. Um, But if you look up to verse 10, it says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. So some of these scholars say, oh, it's the resurrection. Some say it's being like Jesus. Some say it's knowing Jesus. And we're going to say, yes, all of those things. Um, because all of these things, and even in Paul's own description of, um, of not already perfect, they're all encompassed in this it. Because if you have Jesus, then you have these things. But most importantly, Um, out of all of this verse, is that Paul doesn't have it. Paul doesn't have it. Now, we can collectively take another deep breath. (sighs) Because if there was such a thing, like if there were levels of Christianity, Paul would be like a super Christian, wrote most of the New Testament. Um, But there is not a a level, thankfully. Um, But even he, the guy who just wrote Um, all of the New Testament, not all the New Testament, most of the New Testament, he says, I have not yet attained this perfection. I am not already perfect. I do not consider that I have made this perfection my own. So at a base level, if you and I are going to press on to make Jesus our own, the first thing we do is to see our own sin and thus our need for Jesus. When the text reads, um, I do not consider Uh, It actually means I reason with myself, which I think is really helpful uh, because to press on in humility is a battle and it's a battle within. We are at war with our own sinful flesh per Galatians 5.17 and because we know our fleshly tendencies, most of the time we think we're awesome. Like just just think, the reason reason that you and I don't pray is is a pride issue. We say, I don't need you, God. I've got me. So how do we press on in humility? How do we fight the war against our fleshly pride that lies to us and tells us that we're awesome? Well, let's just look at Paul. Uh, We know from 2 Corinthians uh, 12, verse 7, that he struggled with pride just like you and I. Because he says, A thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited, to keep me from becoming proud. But Paul could have made a case for his own pride um, in verses four through six of Philippians, if you look up there. 
verse 4 says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. You could also just read it. Um, I have reason for pride in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. Paul had the perfect Christian life. All of the requirements that you had to have under the law, say, yeah, I got it, blameless. But pressing on in humility looks like verses seven through nine. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. When you and I look at our lives as empty without Christ, and we look at our lives as just full of rubbish without Christ, then we're pressing on in humility. However, there is no need to press on if we don't see our need to press on. When we are humbled to the point of being aware of our sin, then we are pressing on, but there is no need to run if we don't see that we are in a race. Sinners like Paul and us have a deep need to press on because without it, without pressing on to Jesus, we are left with nothing but a life of good deeds and a perfect list of things uh, to uh, a perfect list of things that we can bring before this Jesus who is not ours. That's why Paul describes it as rubbish, as dung, as trash. What good is it? We will not drift toward humility. We must press on. The gospel is only for those who acknowledge their sin. So where do you tend toward pride? Who can you invite into your life to to help show you the different sin issues you have in your life? Who can you trust? We press on in humility because it it is only the humble who have a need for Jesus, and we also press on by forgetting. Look back to verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, one thing I do consider, forgetting what lies behind. So just picking it up from the first part of the verse when Paul reasons with himself um, that he has not made this perfection his own, He does not consider that he has made this Christ Jesus his own yet, but he does consider one thing, forgetting what lies behind. Now, what lies behind, that encompasses all of the mess and entanglements of our sin, the the hugest amount or the, the smallest amount, everything, forgetting what lies behind, all of our past transgressions, no matter how big they are in our minds, We cannot press on without forgetting what lies behind us. If we are constantly dwelling on these thoughts, we will be bogged down, which will impair our pressing on. It will impair our running our race. However, forgetting what lies behind mentions nothing about forgetting only the bad parts. 
we forget the good parts too. What does that mean? Like, how is that true? Because our good moments held a grace for us that is not sufficient for us today. The most horrifying day of your life, the most gruesome sin that is a part of your life, the thing that you cringe about when you think of it, repent of it, tell a brother or a sister about it, and press on. Forget it. The most amazing day of your life, the most beautiful grace you have ever experienced, the day when you felt closer to God than you ever have in your entire life, it gets better. The grace for you today is better than the best grace you've ever experienced. Because all that happens, good and bad, if it's yesterday's, then it doesn't help us to press on. None of it helps us to run our race. Um, I ran a race once. Um, <laughs> I thought that was funny. Um, but it, it was a 5K out in the rolling hills of Tyler. Um, and there were maybe like 50 adults um, running this thing. And, and they even, since there weren't that many adults, they threw some kids in there as well. Um, but so I, I was just looking around and I was like, you know, I think I like my chances. I had just come out of high school. I think I was like 19 or 20. Um, and I was like, all right, I think I could do this. Um, so the whistle blows and we're off and I sprint and I'm like, Ooh, see you little kids, you know, and I'm just running. Um, and it was great. Uh, until, uh, like I was winning the whole race and I, there's like a, the last, it's a huge hill to get up to the finish line. Um, and I was like, oh man, I, well, I'm going to win. You know, this is awesome. Um, but I was, so I'm just cruising along still. And I thought, I wonder how much I'm going to win by. And so I did one of these things the, huh, as I'm running and I, and I look forward and I was like, oh no, <laughs> because behind me, like not very far behind me was a middle school girl <laughs> and a, a man with two knee braces. Um, and then not far behind them was a man pushing a stroller. So, um, really, I, I was just looking for a guy pulling his oxygen machine along, you know, I was just like, man, I thought I was doing really well. Um, but it, like looking back killed me. Like it was so demoralizing to see it cause I thought I was awesome. Um, and I look back and I was like, oh, and like the last 50 yards or however long it is, I don't know K's, but, um, I was running and I just kind of like, because I couldn't, I was like, this girl's right here. And so um, I ended up losing to the girl, uh, the middle school girl and the guy in the knee braces. Um, but if you and I do not forget all that lies behind us, we will not be pressing on. So how do we do it? Well, uh, on July 30th, 1967, an 18-year-old girl dove into the Chesapeake Bay after misjudging the shallowness of the water. She suffered a fracture between the fourth and fifth cervical levels and became a quadriplegic, paralyzed from her shoulders down. This is uh, what she had to write about that experience. It wasn't long after I had broken my neck in a diving accident that I spent one particularly hope hopeless week in the hospital. I had endured long surgeries to shave down the bony prominences on my back, and it was a long recovery. I had lost a great deal of weight, and for almost three weeks, I was forced to lie face down on what's called a striker frame, a long, flat canvas sandwich where they put you face up for three hours, then strap another piece of canvas on you and flip you face down to lie there for another three hours. Trapped face down, staring at the floor after our hour, my thoughts grew dark and hopeless. 
All I could think was, great, God, way to go. I'm a brand new Christian, and this is the way you treat your new Christians? I'm young in the faith. I prayed for a closer walk with you. If this is your idea of an answer to prayer, I'm never going to trust you with another prayer again. I can't believe that I have to lie face down and do nothing but count the tiles on the floor on this stupid torture rack. I hate my existence. I asked the hospital staff to turn out the lights, close the blinds, close the door, and if anybody came in, visitor, parent, nurse, I just grunted. I justified it all. I rationalized that God shouldn't mind that I would be bitter. After all, I was paralyzed. My thoughts got darker because no longer was my bitterness a tiny trickle. It had become a raging torrent, and in the middle of the night, I would imagine God holding my sin up before my face and saying lovingly but firmly, Joni, what are you going to do about this attitude? It is wrong. This sin is wrong. Get rid of it. But I, hurting and stubborn, preferred my sins. I preferred, I preferred my peevish, snide, small-minded, mean-spirited comments, grunting at people when they walked in or out. I did not want to let go of the sick, strange comfort of my own misery. So God gave me some help. About one week into that three-week stint of lying face down, staring at the floor, waiting for my back to heal... I got hit with a bad case of the flu, and suddenly not being able to move was peanuts compared to not being able to breathe. I was claustrophobic, I was suffering, I was gasping for breath, I could not move, all was hopeless, all was gone, I was falling backward, head over heels, down for the count, and decimated, and I broke. I thought, I can't do this, I can't live this way, I would rather die than face this. But 50 years later, she would write this. My quadriplegia, my paralysis, my displaced hip, my stage three cancer, and my scoliosis are sheepdogs that constantly snap at my heels, driving me down the road to Calvary where I die to the sins Jesus died for. Sure, I have a long way to go before I am who God destined me to be in glory. But thankfully, my paralysis keeps me pushing to strive to reach for that heavenly prize. whether it's paralysis or the best day you can imagine, whether it's the lowest low or the highest high, we press on to forget. We let nothing get in the way of us pressing on to Jesus. Now, just a quick caveat. There, there are things like paralysis and, and huge life events that, that cannot be forgotten and sins that we have committed that just cannot be forgotten. It is not that we completely forget everything that has happened to us, um, but sometimes we need to re-repent of those sins that cause us to turn away, and that's a good thing to do. So that remembrance in, in that case is a good thing. Absolutely repent, absolutely confess, and absolutely talk to your friends about it. But just think of it this way. If it helps you to press on, if it helps you run your race, do it. If it hinders you, if you're turning back to see old grace and old sin for for sake of nostalgia, forget it. What is it that holds you back? What hinders your race, either good or bad? And who, who do you have in your life that you can tell about what you're looking back at? We press on in humility, we press on by forgetting, and we press on by straining. If you look at verse 13 again, 
the end he says, and straining forward to what lies ahead. So straining here is literally uh, translated stretch. Um, So to continue our race imagery, let's just look at a great example of what stretching is and what stretching is not. Take my word for it. There's a moral to this story. Uh, Yeah, maybe next time. Wait that extra second before celebrating. A college track star learned the dangers of premature celebration. The runner from the University of Oregon thought he had the race locked up, started waving, pumping up the crowd, and he was passed by a runner from the University of Washington in the final seconds, not just the final seconds, the difference with a... I'm so glad I was not celebrating when the middle school girl passed me. Um, uh, but one, one of these men, uh, he knew the goal, and he was straining. He was going. He was stretching out toward that goal to finish, doing everything he could to reach his goal. The runner who gets the prize is the one who strains forward to what lies ahead. No, no swivel looks to see what's going on. No celebrating, certainly. Um, we press on by straining forward. And it's called straining, not relaxing. It's going to be tough. That means we wake up earlier to read and pray if there's no time left in our day anywhere else. It means we pray for people when we get the urge to, even if it's going to be inconvenient or awkward. That means we call out our friend's sin because we love them. We do it in a loving way, but we, because we love them, no matter how they might view us afterward. It means we bring up that huge sin that we haven't confessed of yet to our brother or sister, no matter how embarrassing. It means our day will be inconvenienced by something that God is calling us to do. It's tough, it's hard, it's straining, it's stretching. But the prize is better than sleeping in and comfort and convenience. We focus everything we have on knowing Jesus, becoming more like him, losing everything, leaving behind everything, and not looking back because we know that the prize of knowing Christ and of having Christ as our own is better, and so we strain. So what about you? Where do you need to strain? Where are you currently just relaxing, just going through life? Life is not perfect, nor will it ever be, no matter how much we would like it to be, no matter how great it seems in our heads sometimes, it's not going to happen. So we press on toward the goal for the prize that is Jesus Christ. Now this all sounds good. Sure, I can, uh, I can press on in humility. Yeah, I, I need some humility. I can, I can do that. Um, yeah, sure, I can, I can press on by forgetting what lies behind. I've, I've got some stuff on my chest and on my mind that I need um, to talk about. Yeah, I can do that. Um, and I can strain. I can stretch. Honestly, it's been a long time coming. Like, I, I've, I've had the thought a few times, like, yeah, I, I, need to, I need to be better at straining and stretching. But there's only one way that this genuinely and actually happens. We only ever press on because of the gospel truth in verse 12.
Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Jesus was the one who pressed on in humility despite the fact that he was God. He took on human flesh and went through temptation and hunger and was scorned and beaten and mocked and he upheld the power of their bodies while they did it. Jesus was the one who pressed on by forgetting what lies behind, by forsaking the only family he knew here on earth to go disciple 12 men who then he called a family. Jesus was the one who pressed on by straining forward to what lies ahead when on the night when he was to be betrayed, he anxiously sweat blood and asked God to remove this cup of wrath from him. But he finished his prayer with the ultimate example of straining forward and remembering God's will and asking only for that. Jesus pressed on in his life and subsequent death that we may have free access. It is not because of our pressing, but because of his pressing. And it's no coincidence that this verse comes before the other verses. Jesus has made me his own, so I do these things. We do not press on to to get Jesus. We press on because we already are his. And if we get these mixed, then we start to think that our relationship with God is based on our performance, good or bad, and either one of those is a terrible place to be. Jesus has made us his own. That's why we press on. Because Jesus was humbled unto death, we can be humbled unto death. Because Jesus forgot what lay behind and strove and stretched for that which is to come, we can forget and strain and stretch with all that we have to get our prize. When it all comes down to it, we either have the perfect life here or we have the perfect life there in heaven. We either have the perfect life here or we have the perfect life there. Which will you choose? So we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together as a family. Um, And if verse 12, if you read that, and you have a great joy because you know that that's yours, because you know that Jesus has made you his own, then you're welcome to the table. But if you read that and you're, and you're just not sure, or maybe you're sitting there like me back in 2010 in Los Angeles, you know right now that your life is not anything that, that God would be proud of or, or that you're proud of currently. You know that something needs to change. You just don't know what to do. Let today be the day. Let today be the day that you press on. Let today be the day that Jesus makes you his own. So you have to be humble and believe that left to yourself, you're more sinful than you'd ever dare to hope. And that because of Jesus, you're more loved than you'd ever dare to imagine because Jesus has made you his own. Uh, so here in a minute, or here in a second, we're just gonna we're gonna grab the elements. We're gonna bring them back to our seat. We're gonna take them together here in a minute. Um, but in that time, here is our prayer. Father, thank you 
for Jesus who has made me his own and redeemed my imperfect life. By your spirit, help me to press on to the goal of Jesus and forever with you. The crown of my unrighteousness pierced your skull and drops of blood flowed into the veins of your brain. Quite often I pleased the ruler of the flesh, but all my ways ripped the heart of the Redeemer. You were stripped when I was shrouded with iniquities. You were spit on when I chose the fleshly acts. You were scorned for my fruitless words. My sins of pleasure nailed your palms on the cross. Intermittently I let the spirit of evil into my soul and how often you were lashed by filthy transactions. You were kicked with the filth with the filth of my boot, with, the heart, with my heart of pride, you were slapped. You have created me in all within, yet your love for me made the way with your humility. Because on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant you eat in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for such a grace as this. We do not have to have the perfect life. We do not have to have things all put together. We do not have to be any certain way only pressing on and the most beautiful truth is that we don't press on to to make it we don't press on to get you but we press on because we have you would you let that truth sink deep into our hearts that it may become a part of who we are we would always remember our goal is not perfection. Our goal is you. Make yourself the most beautiful prize in our minds and in our hearts. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.